You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. We have the big reaction up there for you at Sporting News, the injury to Derrick Henry. Unfortunately, a foot injury. We didn't know how bad it was. We know he's limited against the Colts, but now we have the revelation that he has a fracture in that foot and he's going to be out here long term. So big blow to fantasy football here in week number eight for the rest of the season. We were hoping to avoid that with Derrick Henry. We've already seen Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and some other key assets go down at that position. So really tough news here because Henry was carrying a lot of teams. He was having another big season here in fantasy football. So that is the number one takeaway, obviously, from the action there on Sunday. We wanted to get it take a little time to find out more about that injury. So we'll break that down for you as well as get into all the games there on Sunday and uh, give you the takeaways, most important things you know from each team. Before we get started, thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available for you on all platforms. All right, the first game we'll talk about here is the Panthers beating the Falcons here, one of those ugly games here. The Panthers lose Sam Darnold to a concussion. He looked okay, played a little better. He actually got hurt running here, not a surprise there. They wanted to reestablish the running game with Chuba Hubbard. They committed to it. They gave him a big volume. He did have a fumble early in the game, but they stuck with Hubbard. They had no other better option, really, here to replace Christian McCaffrey. And Hubbard uh, came through, uh, got the yardage needed, grinded through. The Falcons' run defense is pretty tough, but they stuck with it. That's the way they wanted to win with running game and defense, and they were able to keep the game close and win that. So, really, at this point, you can only look at Hubbard they're filling in for McCaffrey, and McCaffrey is eligible to come off injured reserve. The Patriots are on deck here, so we'll see if they want to bring in McCaffrey. Do they want to continue to wait? They do have a bye week around the corner, so a lot of uh, decisions need to be made there. Uh, Darnold had a concussion late in that game. P.J. Walker had to fill in. The game was already out of hand there, so we'll see. The P.J. Walker is going to downgrade all their weapons. Uh, Robbie Anderson took a big shot in that game as well. So pretty much D.J. Moore and Chuba Hubbard, and if... McCaffrey is able to turn. It's going to be McCaffrey and more. Not much else to see there with the Panthers. Uh, but their defense had a nice rebound there against the Falcons. Falcons offense rather disappointing. And the big unfortunate thing with the Falcons, and we hope he's okay. That's the biggest thing is Calvin Ridley wants to take time away from the game. We didn't know when he missed the London game with the personal matter what he was dealing with. And it was a private battle. And we respect the fact that he came out and said that. So Calvin Ridley... Uh, get better and uh, feel good about the game and come back when you're ready. And we shouldn't be frustrated about that. I mean, that can happen. It's just like any other injury here. So, again, Calvin Ridley will be out for a while, but that's definitely going to affect the Matt Ryan offense here with Arthur Smith. I think they were in a groove right before when Ridley was back in there. Kyle Pitts, things opened up for him, but now Kyle Pitts is going to get all the coverage attention. Uh, We saw also Russell Gage produce. Gage didn't even get involved there. So, when you're looking at this, it changes the offense uh, dramatically because you don't have that number one alpha receiver that can take pressure off as a veteran 
and open things up for Kyle Pitts. So Pitts is going to see the attention. He was uh, rather contained in this game. So, again, tough break for this Falcons offense. Adversely affects Matt Ryan. We know that as well, not having that number one, especially with Julio Jones now in Tennessee as well. So tough uh, break there. Really, Cordero Patterson is their best fantasy football asset that you can trust on top of Pitts here going forward the way it goes. We'll see if they deal Mike Davis to a team that might need some help, such as the Titans. There to give him a little bit better value away from the situation where Patterson has kind of taken it over. Still, yeah, tough break for the Falcons here. Again, we hope Ridley's okay, and we hope the Falcons can find a way to get this offense going. But we figure Pitts is still playable by dominating targets here going forward for Atlanta, as long as ever Ridley's out, and it sounds like he might be out for a while, which we wish him well there and coming back, and he'll come back stronger hopefully in 2022. All right, let's uh, go to our next game, the Dolphins and Bills. And a uh, big development with the Dolphins, Devontae Parker returned from his multiple injuries. And this one immediately le- led the team in receiving. So when he's out there, he's going to affect the usage of Mike Gusecki. Gusecki needed a big play against the Bills. Got open there downfield for two attacks. Well, he was still playable in this game, but Parker took over. Really hurt the presence of Jalen Water. Waddle here, but what we learned about Devontae Parker is that when he's out there, he's treated like the number one. He's the guy that can get open. They're all over the field. Waddle needs speed and quickness and the right matchup there to get going. So good pivot there if you saw Parker playing. Matchup was tough, so it was hard to recommend any Dolphins receiver in this one, but Parker is still the guy of choice as the number one, despite uh, Waddle coming on in uh, multiple weeks here. Because they just use him in more limited roles, short to intermediate here. They're not stretching the field, so that would profile a little bit better for Parker as a bigger target here for Tua Taivola playing off Gusecki. That's what we saw. With the backfield, what we expected, Mike Gusecki helping a little bit there with the intermediate short passing game as an extension of that, but... Miles Gaskin, Salman Ahmed without uh, Malcolm Brown. Still nothing to see there with the Dolphins there in that situation. Now, the Bills had a rough go of it here. Stephon Diggs did come through with a big play. Cole Beasley, we wanted to know who was going to pick up the slack here for no Dawson Knox. We did see Tommy Sweeney get involved. He had three catches for 30 yards there, but we knew the pivot might be to Beasley. And that really hurt the value here of Emmanuel Sanders. They contained him outside, so Sanders... Did not really produce at all in this game. Didn't uh, score a point there. So they went back to the comfort zone of Josh Allen with a lot of digs and a lot of Cole Beasley just uh, dominating the slot. That We know the Dolphins really struggle in that area of coverage, so the matchup called for it. But definitely that was the pivot back. I think Knox was cutting into Beasley's production. Now that Knox is on the shelf, Sweeney is in a more limited role. And we saw what happened there with Cole Beasley. So I think that'll change when Knox returns from the hand injury, but in the shorter term, you've got to look at Beasley as the pivot there off Diggs more so than Sanders at this point for the Bills. Offense and running backs disappointing. The hit or miss here with Zach Mosser, Devin Singletary. We thought we were in a good place with that committee, but now you can't completely trust what we're getting from that Bills duo here going forward and not at a very good time when we're battling bye weeks and maybe to force these guys into our lineup here a little bit on the reg. So I think you look at Zach Moss, he's still the better option than Singletary, but it can disappear in games like this when they get a little kind of antsy and want to get a little bit pass happy. That's what you saw as their offense couldn't get going early. They had to just say, okay, we're going to turn it to the passing game. So a little bit different than we expected given that the Dolphins are struggling all around, really bad against the run. We thought the game script was going to be a lot more favorable for the Bills wire to wire. Didn't materialize in this game. So one of those games that uh, you 
kind of just go away for the Bills, but at least Josh Allen was able to put up the numbers late with uh, his running and passing, and Beasley again back to a prominent role in this passing game. Next game we'll look at is the 49ers and Bears, and these offenses are pretty streamlined into a few players at this point. Eli Mitchell looked really good. He's kind of uh, proving why they wanted him to be feature back to replace Raheem Mostert over Trey Sermon. Looking very good, very explosive, finishes drives well as well. So he's here to stay, folks, as an RB2 with some upside every week. Eli Mitchell, one of the great early pickups here uh, in fantasy football of the season now that he's back. Healthy Debo Samuel, it's all about him. He had that long breakaway run that we thought he scored a touchdown, fell short, but another massive game. So this offense is with George Kittle out and Brandon Ayuk kind of still in a limited role. It's flowing through two guys, Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel. Everything else, uh, just hope for the best there. Now the Bears, they let Justin Fields loose a little bit here to run. He was the leading rusher. Khalil Herbert looked great again. So the two rookies kind of taking over this offense a little bit more. There was no Matt Nagy. I think that was significant. They took the reins off fields. They let him run. He had that nice rushing touchdown where he changed directions and found the end zone. That way, he had a passing touchdown there to the second tight end, Jesse James. But what we still didn't see is an Allen Robinson-Justin Fields connection. That simply is not working here. He really needs Andy Dalton to start, but that's not going to happen here as the Bears want to go forward and see what Fields has got for the rest of the season. So, Allen Robinson might be just accepting the fact that he's dropping hard from a borderline wide receiver one to an unusable wide receiver. It's shocking to see, but Fields and Darnell Mooney are the future here. Mooney has taken over as the number one receiver. Herbert, uh, with Damian Williams hurt again, has taken over the number one running back. We'll see if David Montgomery can return here soon from his injury, but again, the rookies, that's where you're going Fields and Herbert. Again, you can't trust Fields from the week to week, but you'd like to see that running volume from him. And hopefully Matt Nagy realized, look, we almost won the game. Let's stick with Fields and do what it does and let him uh, kind of improvise and use his athleticism and arm and instead of reining him back. So this is what we expected against the Buccaneers. It didn't happen last week. Maybe an overcorrection there against the 49ers, injury-depleted secondary. But Herbert will have to see if he can hold that job of Montgomery. Does it become more of a committee now with Williams maybe fading out of the mix? Does Tarek Cohen come back sometime and complicate things? So a lot of things to watch out there. I would think it will default back to Montgomery, but Herbert, I think, has earned himself a key role when Monty comes back. All right, the next game we'll look at is the Steelers and Browns before we take our first break here on the show. Let's look at the Steelers. Their offense came out of bye. What you expect? More of Najee Harris. A lot of Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Claypool using as a runner and as a receiver. Deontay with a leading receiver type day. So that's kind of what you expect from the Steelers. Deontay to be their best all-around receiver. Claypool to be a wrinkle guy that they use for big plays and gets key touches. In that capacity, Najee Harris being the workhorse. And the big development here is Pat Freermuth, he's here to stay, folks, as a key part of this offense. Uh, there was a late development there where Eric Ebron missed the game with a hamstring injury. So Freermuth had every opportunity. He looked good on a touchdown reception there from Roethlisberger that was key to winning the game here for Pittsburgh. So Freermuth's key. I mean, he's a good blocker, all-around uh, good player, good receiver, kind of learning very fast here in his rookie season. So Freermuth, I think, is going to be a key target again. They need someone to replace Juju Smith-Schuster as that third option behind Johnson and Claypool, and with her with uh, Ebron on the shelf, it lined up perfectly for Freemuth to see the action. That's what you saw. And Freemuth again, if you're hurting a tight end, I think he's going to be rather involved again. They compared him a lot to Heath Miller, and he's developing into that type of player early here, maybe in Ben Roethlisberger's last season. 
We'll pivot to the Browns. It was ugly. Nick Chubb looked pretty good. Unfortunately, Dearness Johnson pilfered his touchdown here in the game. The offense was pretty bad. Baker Mayfield just wasn't right. I mean, he get, took a lot of sacks. They lost Jack Conklin, their right tackle, to an injury. He just didn't look good. Maybe they rushed him back into action here when Case Keenum was a little bit more protective of himself. Odell Beckham Jr. completely faded from this offense. Jarvis Landry came back and played through the knee injury again. He's the leading receiver, so that helps Baker. But, again, he's trying to piecemeal it with the tight ends. It just looks pretty bad in this Browns passing game. So, Odell Beckham Jr., just like Allen Robinson, a guy you cannot play right now. But Jarvis Landry coming in as his usual wide receiver three. And you really can't look at Baker Mayfield. You're going to hope for the best with uh, Nick Chubb here going forward. Uh, But if the rest of the offense drags him down, that will be a bummer here. Because you're really hurting a top asset. And they're going to need some good matchups to get going. So Bengals next week. Hopefully the Browns will put together a few pieces here. Against the Bengals defense that did struggle against the Jets this week. Alright, there's a look at four games. We still need to talk about uh, nine more there from Sunday's action there. And uh, break it down, the takeaways for you. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch a game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part... There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, it's time to continue the show looking at the important fantasy football takeaways from the Week 8 NFL action there on Sunday, Halloween. A lot of spooky things did happen on the field, and we'll get to those here in our next two segments. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first look every day. You know we've got you covered on all things fantasy football with the trade deadline around the corner. Don't miss our live NFL trade deadline show, reaction to every move, plus the second half season preview and much more. Catch the show live from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, November 2nd on the Lockdown NFL YouTube page. All right, let's uh, continue looking at the Eagles and Lions game. This was all Eagles running game. No touchdown passes for Jalen Hurts. He was their leading receiver. It was a mess of a backfield. Boston Scott was the starter. Jordan Howard was the goal line red zone type finisher. So they picked Jordan Howard up the street. Kenneth Gainwell was limited to the mop-up duty late in the game here for the Eagles. That's pretty much when he got in the game. So very confusing. The Eagles thought, uh, made us think that they liked the rookie Kenneth Gainwell. But they went the old school veteran approach. Went with Scott and Howard in this one. So... Really tough there if you played Gainwell. We really liked him, and we thought the Eagles did too. So a little bit of rope-a-dope by Philadelphia, especially with that late pickup of Jordan Howard in the week. So very frustrating there with the Eagles' backfield. They finally ran the ball when Miles Sanders was not in there and then confused us all with the Scott Howard-Gainwell committee. So, yeah, the Eagles are just a tough team to figure out. Unfortunately, that meant Jalen Hurts with uh, Scott and Howard each scoring twice. No touchdown passes for him. He did have a nice rushing day, got to the 70 yards rushing to get you a TD and some there with his passing yardage, but again, it was too easy. The Lions did not do anything in this game. At wide receiver, Devonta Smith, it might be over for Devonta Smith and trying to force production out of him, and this was a great matchup. Him and uh, Jalen Hurts, you thought the matchup would be reheated, but this is three straight weeks where the matchup has been very good, and we haven't seen Devonta Smith connect well with Hurts, so... 
something that is a concern. Uh, maybe that'll change with Jalen Rieger. He got a rush near the goal line. He would have had a rushing touchdown, but they ruled him short. Then he got hurt on that play and had to be carted off the field. So Rieger might need to miss time. Will that push some uh, targets away to Devonta Smith? But right now, Jalen Hurts seems to have only eyes for Dallas Goddard at tight end with no Zach Ertz. Everyone else is just uh, here and there when you look at it, uh, Quez Watkins and the rest of their targets. So really not good for Devonta Smith. He's not being treated like a number one the way he should. Maybe the Rieger injury will force that, but very frustrating to see. But at least with Dallas Goddard, without Ertz in there, they are looking at him as the alpha. And again, Hertz and Goddard had a good chemistry there throughout the preseason. We thought they were going to build on that here, but now they're going to have to out of necessity if the Smith connection is off and there's no Ertz there for the Eagles. Now for the Lions, it's pretty much still DeAndre Swift who struggled in this game. They couldn't get him going. Then the game got so far in hand, they had Jamar Jefferson, who was filling in for Jamal Williams, a rookie seventh rounder there. Jefferson got the touchdown and some work there, but it was such an ugly game all around. The one bright spot was TJ Hawkinson. The Lions figured out how to get him the ball consistently, just fed him with volume. It was 10 catches for 89 yards, so still not getting a lot, but at least Jared Goff finding his tight end again to put up some decent numbers. He looked at him in the end zone a few times, so they made it a point to get him going. The two deep safety look by the Eagles without uh, Anthony Harrison there really helped the Lions, but yeah, it's really Swift and Hawkinson. That story has not changed here since early in the season. Next game, we'll go to the Rams and the Texans. This was all Rams, as you'd expect here. The Texans made a nice comeback and put up some cosmetic numbers, still not enough to cover. You look at the Rams in this one, uh, Van Jefferson continues to be a thing. He's a third big play guy. Deshaun Jackson had a personal issue, and he missed the game. So they refired up uh, Van Jefferson as the big play threat down the field. So he's kind of replaced Brandon Cooks as a big play guy there with Cooper Cup, who's just dominating off to maybe the best fantasy football season ever on track for like 130 receptions, uh, almost 2,000 receiving yards, and 21 TDs. So big year for Cooper Cup continues. He's still the alpha here. Robert Woods is more like uh, the co-number two here with Jefferson. He did get a touchdown, which helped uh, Bobby Trees in this game. But, yeah, Van Jefferson being involved as that third option. Tyler Higby's almost faded out of this offense at tight end. The running game did what it was supposed to do from last week with Daryl Henderson catching a touchdown pass as well. So, And it's going to flow through Henderson Cup mainly with Woods and Jefferson as the supporting players here. Most of all for Matthew Stafford and the big arm of Stafford. Focus more on the wide receivers than the tight end. He's got the good protection, could throw downfield, so that's what's developed here in the Rams' offense. Now, for Houston, Davis Mills goes up and down. There's some games where he looks terrible and just can't get put up the garbage, but what happened here is the Rams pulled out their main guys in the second half. The lead was so big. Brandon Cooks had plenty of room to run. He had a long touchdown catch here from Mills. I think Tyrod Taylor, however, is going to return. That's going to only help Cooks here going forward. This backfield is something to watch. They already moved Mark Ingram. They could move David Johnson or Philip Lindsay before the trade deadline there on Tuesday. Does Rex Burkhead step in a bigger role? They gave him a passing attempt in this game. They involved him a lot more in the running and receiving game. He is uh, tied to Nick Casario, who came from the Patriots. So we'll see if Rex Burkhead, given this uh, committee, is pretty ugly and Ingram's out of it and maybe another change here that we'll see if he can get a bigger role. Still not someone I'm flocking to, but at least the usage was somewhat interesting here. For the Texans, anyone else, Nico Collins, the rest of the wide receivers, you can't go in that direction. All right, let's go to the Titans and Colts. So sticking with the AFC South team, again, the Titans losing Derrick Henry. Tough game for him against the Colts. Defense, he didn't look right early, and then they revealed that he had a foot injury after the game, and then Monday it came out that 
It's a fracture, probably out long term. They're looking at Adrian Peterson now as the plug-and-play here for uh, Henry, potentially as the power back, and they could look at some other guys. I mentioned uh, Johnson and Lindsey from the Texans, a division rival. They could look in that direction. Would they go after Melvin Gordon? Would they go after a David Montgomery? Speculating on some of those possibilities there at SportingNews.com right now. But, yeah, right now Peterson, given he's the tryout and the only leak that we have on who he could be working out, uh, I think Peterson is a lot of logical reasoning behind that because, again, he's a big veteran power back that can run no-nonsense, run straight ahead. We've seen him produce before, whether it's in Washington or Arizona when needed. So, again, Adrian Peterson right now could be in the mix here with Jeremy McNichols and Dontrell Hilliard. So we'll have to see. I wouldn't just go Peterson's going to pick up Henry where he left off him. He's an older back. He can wear down any time. Here's had a lot of mileage as well. I think Peterson's can be a candidate to get 15 touches per game, something like that, should he be the guy they sign. Whoever that is, I think they have to go in that direction. But they need a veteran badly here without uh, Henry. Now, A.J. Brown, you might think this is a good thing for him, but, again, he needs to play action, deep passes downfield. He's going to get a lot of the attention. The safety, remember, had to work into the box here to worry about Derrick Henry. You're not going to have that same fear with another back here in this Titans offense. So that's going to change the coverage there on A.J. Brown, especially with uh, Julio Jones hamstrung it out here. For the Colts, it's pretty much become the Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman show at the running back and wide receiver. Marlon Mack is expendable. Naeem Hines only had, catches a few balls. We had uh, T.Y. Hilton came back from one injury with a calf, got hurt again with a concussion. So what else is new? T.Y. Hilton hurt again, and Paris Campbell nowhere to be found here. The tight ends, pretty much a split between Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox. Very frustrating if you went to Mo Ali Cox and you saw Jack Doyle Scored the third touchdown there from Carson Wentz. Pittman scored twice in this one. But Taylor and Pittman, two second-year studs. We really like Pittman, I think, is a wide receiver, two of the bullet the rest of the season. Jonathan Taylor locked in as an elite RB1 at this point. You just want to see them get more touches and targets, and I think that could be the case going forward for Frank Reich. All right, the next game we'll talk about is the Bengals and the Jets here. The Bengals wide receivers, uh, they woke up that weren't named Jamar Chase. Chase did score a short touchdown. He missed another one that could have been a touchdown here that may have helped the Bengals win the game, but the Bengals lose the game to the Jets. So a lot more volume in the passing game and needing T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. It was funny because the Jets secondary, I think, played pretty well in this game, but Higgins, Boyd, and Chase all put up numbers in this game. It hasn't happened very often, but bigger, higher volume than the Expected with Joe Burrow. We thought it was going to be a run-heavy game. Joe Mixon did get a rushing touchdown, but the production simply wasn't there. So the Bengals are a passing team at heart. They're going to do that as much as they can. The game script, again, went away from what we thought. It was a back-and-forth affair here where the Bengals were trailing late. So that's why you saw the numbers there for Higgins and Boyd here to complement Chase. It's not going to happen very often. I think it's more of an anomaly in this one that all three produce, but maybe... The Bengals are also realizing we need to be a passing team more and commit to it a little bit more when the running game is not there. So interesting to see if Higgins and Boyd can keep this up to complement the attention that Chase gets here with uh, Joe Burrow throwing for a high passing volume. For the Jets, we have a viable fantasy football option every week. He's looking like Christian McCaffrey out there. Michael Carter, they're using him everywhere. He was the leading receiver. He was the leading rusher. Unfortunately, Ty Johnson got the touchdown on a receiving uh, play there. So... Mike White looked pretty good. He kind of facilitated this offense a lot more. They won the game. Carter just looks really good. I mean, he's a hard guy to stop. He's elusive. Reminds me a little bit of James Robinson from last year, but very good pass catcher. That element of his game is there. Explosive. Can uh, get chunk gains here. So 
Michael Carter's locked and loaded here, folks, as the Jets back, and I think he's an RB2 going forward. We, we saw where was this passing him going to go. Jamison Crowder is still the most reliable guy. You know, Keelan Cole. Braxton Berrios had some key opportunities. But keep in mind, Corey Davis was out for this game, so they pivoted to Crowder. So Carter and Crowder with Mike White in there, how long he has to be there for Zach Wilson. I don't think you'll see Joe Flacco anytime soon. I think he's just going to provide insurance the way that Mike White played. So Carter and Crowder are where I'm going, and I'm feeling really good about Mike White to reviving some of this offense that was dormant a little bit with Zach Wilson and his inexperience in this offense. All right, we will get to the five final games there from Sunday and break down the takeaways for you there. But I do have to, before that, tell you more about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar soft covered in 100% chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'll swear... You're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high-protein. All the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious and so many flavors. Another great thing about Built Bar, there's so many mouth-watering flavors that I mentioned, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. This month, Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days, so check out their website often. You do not want to miss out. All you have to do is go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're back and better than ever. New web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. You'll find them at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus there at BetOnline. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, five more games we'll get to here, and we'll close the show. And then tomorrow, don't forget, we'll have Pickup Tuesday. Look at the waiver wire ahead of Week 9, where you can help your team. A lot of injuries, we know, that are affecting things again. Uh, Halloween wiped out some key players there, including uh, Derek Henry. And a couple we'll talk about in this segment, uh, James Robinson and Jameis Winston. So let's start, however, talking about the Patriots-Chargers game. Patriots all about Damian Harris. He's continuing to be the man here in the backfield. No question of competition or key touches here. That's what they want to do. The matchup was great against the Chargers. They were relentless doing that. Now in the passing game, Hunter Henry disappointing with only one catch for 33 yards in his revenge game here. But the Patriots win the game and do it with their running game and get some big plays on defense as well. So good performance by Harris. He came through, but Nelson Aguilar and... The other receivers, you can't really trust anything here consistently. Hunter Henry, I think, will rebound maybe a little bit of nerves in the matchup. Maybe contain him a little bit in this game. So, again, Damon Harris, most trusted asset week to week for the Patriots. And their defense as well. If you'd stack their defense, got that pick six against uh, Justin Herbert, that was a good DFS play. So, good combination to consider there in that format. Now, for the Chargers, uh, we had Austin Eckler banged up a bit with a hip injury. He still was a big-time receiver and runner this game. Justin Jackson... Blew off a long run, but he also got hurt here early in the game. So trying to get Jackson more involved with Eckler didn't quite work out here to win the game. Eckler was still the man, so no worries there. 
Keenan Allen, however, looked a little bit more active there as the number one, while Mike Williams kind of faded here. Yeah, Josh Palmer scored a touchdown late, so we'll check on Mike Williams here to see if he's okay with the status. We knew could be a little bit too good to be true with the way that Mike Williams started as a number one receiver here, so hopefully that's all right. But kind of course corrected here to Eckler and Keenan Allen. They took away the big plays from Justin Herbert. We knew that was the way the Chargers were going to face a defense this week where Herbert likes to go downfield and get those big plays, but they contained his running, didn't let him throw downfield by extra time, and that's what you saw. We didn't like Justin Herbert for that reason, so he ends up with a couple touchdowns, but he also has a couple picks. Pretty ugly game, not much running there for the second-year quarterback. So second straight year, Justin Herbert being solved by the Patriots' defense. Let's go to Jacksonville. We talked about James Robinson. This was terrible because he was off to a great start there. He had 39 yards from scrimmage on the first couple drives here for the Jaguars. But then some mysterious injury. Turns out to be a bruised heel, so he should be okay going forward. But very frustrating that they ruled him out pretty quickly with what sounds like a minor day-to-day injury. So he should be go okay going forward, but we're still going to monitor. If you need to handcuff and protect him with Carlos Hyde, you should go ahead and do that now with the Jaguars' bye week in the rear view. And the receiving core, really disappointing. I mean, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Cheneau, really, really bad here with the Jaguars. Dan Arnold was their leading receiver, so we told him Dan Arnold would be a key factor at some point. The matchup was good for it against the Seahawks, so you know, Arnold leads them in receiving. Very frustrating. We thought better passing game with Trevor Lawrence, but... And you just can't trust much on this Jaguars team at this point, even in a great matchup. They got blown out here. Not much to see there at all. And let's hope Robinson's okay going forward because he's the one guy that looked good and we can count on from Jacksonville every single week. On Seattle's side of things, uh, okay, we thought they might be in the shell and run it with Alex Collins, but Collins wasn't fully healthy. He still was their leading rusher, but only 44 yards there. But what I liked about Geno Smith is he tried to do his best Russell Wilson impression. So what happened? Two big plays by DK Metcalf to score touchdowns. Tyler Lockett dominated targets, made plays all over the field. So Geno Smith's smart. He knows that Lockett and Metcalf are a lot of keys to Wilson's success. Throw the ball downfield. Don't force the running game. So good game plan there really by Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator. Getting Lockett and Metcalf to continue to get the job done in matchups like this where they can get both get free. So you got to love that, that Geno Smith hasn't totally destroyed the value of either wide receiver, and then we've seen the growth of those connections here in the past few weeks. Let's go to Washington and Denver. This was a 425 uh, Eastern Time window game there. Washington, what can you say? It's over for Ty- Taylor Heineke. They didn't play without their, they played without the right tackle. Samuel Cosme again, good rookie there from Texas. Antonio Gibson was playing through a shin injury. You could tell he wasn't fully there. They'd used Jared Patterson a lot in the running game. He was the leading rusher, while J.D. McKissick was the leading receiver overall. No uh, sign of Curtis Samuel still hurting there. They also lost Diami Brown, so Brown and Samuel didn't play. Cam Sims was available, but still uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, I think the cap has been kind of sealed on him, so... By week, we need Washington to get healthy. I think they can turn around. They still have key offensive principles, but Terry McLaurin is really hurting by not having that second consistent option. Maybe Samuel will be finally good enough after the bye here for WFT. We need uh, Logan Thomas back in this offense. We need Ryan Fitzpatrick back in this offense. We need Gibson to shake off that shin injury. A lot of things need to happen. So Washington is definitely disappointing because of these injuries, and it dragged down the one guy that we're trusting in most weeks is Terry McLaurin. So... Fitzpatrick, let's hope the hip is okay and he can return there in week number 10. 
All right, let's look at uh, the Broncos again. Teddy Bridgewater, not a very good game here. Jerry Judy returned, but they still threw to Tim Patrick. Cortland Sutton, this passing game was just terrible overall. In the game, you did have the running game bail them out in a defensive battle of attrition. Melvin Gordon had the winning touchdown. Melvin Gordon continues to be the thorn in the side of Javante Williams. You want them to free Javante Williams. Gordon somehow still stays healthy. He gets the split touches here, so it's hard to trust Williams and play him as long as Gordon is getting the key touches for this team. So we'll see. Maybe they'll trade Gordon and help us here at the trade deadline. They are already trading Von Miller there, so a lot of things to watch out with that Broncos team, maybe at the trade deadline here, but uh, looking at uh, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe he's hit the wall here with using his receivers, but Judy definitely a disappointment maybe next week when he's a little fully healthier and ready and the offense we can go there. Noah Fant kind of disappeared as well, so a lot of things to watch out, but this uh, Broncos passing game, I never thought I'd say it, but maybe too many people involved there and too many people in the running game. They need streamline it a little bit for us when you're a limited offense that doesn't produce a lot. You don't want a lot of weapons involved because that's going to confuse us and not give us any reliable fantasy football assets. And that's what you saw in this game as Washington's defense continues to overachieve here after a very bad start to the season. All right, the next game we'll look at Buccaneers and Saints. Uh, Tom Brady, 375-4, and four, but he also loses a fumble, two interceptions, one a pick six. Still very good Tom Brady fantasy numbers, 33 points in most leagues, a six-point passing touchdown league. So Tom Brady still gets it done for fantasy. Chris Godwin was the man. We figured with Marshawn Lattimore on Mike Evans, it would be tough, but Evans did find his way in the end zone with limited volume there. No Antonio Brown. We had uh, Rob Gronkowski go back on the shelf with a back injury here, coming back from the ribs injury, so that was frustrating. So, To me, I think Godwin is going to be their overall go-to guy in the second half. I think Tom Brady trusts them the most. Evans is still a bit touchdown and big play dependent. Brown will see if he can return at some point with the ankle injury, but yeah. Godwin is locked and loaded as the key figure, and Leonard Fournette, you knew he was going to run into a bit of a wall against the Saints' run defense. So if they're not running it easily, they don't have that matchup that calls for it, the Bucs are going to easily pivot to their passing game, even if it comes with big mistakes along with the big plays, and that's what happened here with Brady and Godwin leading the way and not winning this game. For the Saints, you had Jameis Winston go down with that knee injury. Looks like he's out for the season. Trevor Simeon came in and played pretty well, but still nothing to see there in the passing game. Way too kind of committee-like at this point. They're using a lot of tight ends. Marquez Callaway is no longer the number one. Deontay Harris played there through the injury. You had, of all people, Kevin White leaving this team and receiving. So it was a really ugly. It's just like they randomly throw at anyone. You had Traquan Smith also uh, make a big play coming back. So... It's really hard, and then Michael Thomas could come back. It's not a high-volume passing team. You don't think that's going to change with Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon likely being the combination here going forward in some way. Maybe Simeon gets the regular snaps. Hill is more the change of pace, or we'll see Hill a lot like we did last year when Drew Brees went down. So either way, don't see a lot from this wide receiver core here, and we'll see if Thomas returns to uh, kind of resettle it here, but they really desperately need Thomas to open things up for everyone else. In the backfield, it's still Alvin Kamara. That's it. Alvin Kamara is really the only fantasy football asset from this team you can totally trust week in and week out. We've learned that pretty quickly. The defense also is a pretty good asset here as well, even in a tough matchup against the Bucks they came through. So just like we saw with Harris and the defense there for the Patriots, you can look at Kamara and the defense for the Saints. And It's funny that they played each other. Saints won that game. Very similar type teams. Lost their Hall of Fame quarterbacks, trying to grind games out with running game and defense. But that's not good news for fantasy if we're looking for value in the passing game. Finally, we go to Sunday night 
football, this was a disappointing game because, first of all, Dak Prescott warmed up. We thought he was going to play with a calf injury, looking at him as warm-ups. But no, they had to pivot to Cooper Rush. So they decided, on the side of caution here, to rest Prescott. What you got here was Cooper Rush playing pretty well. He had a couple touchdown passes there. One that kind of changed the game. Big play where Cedric Wilson was shot out of a cannon, went downfield and scored. And then the game winner to Amari Cooper. The Cooper Rush-Amari Cooper connection heats up just at the right time. So they escaped the win. Disappointing for Zeke Elliott. He had some nice runs and catches, but couldn't get a touchdown here in this game. And Tony Pollard uh, behind him, not much there. there. But the wide receivers, that's what you want. And maybe Dak Prescott can learn from this with Cooper Rush. And Cooper Rush had a good connection with uh, Cedric Wilson. You might have Michael Gallup return, but big game for Cooper, big game for Lamb. Big game for Wilson all at the same time. What did that mean? Nothing from the tight end. So that's what Dallas wants to do. They want to throw downfield, get more excitement, big plays there. Gallup is only going to push them more in that direction if Wilson and Gallup are viable assets there playing off Lamb and Cooper. So something to watch there. But Dalton Schultz, we didn't like him because of the situation here with the Gallup on the way back. And then Wilson, the twist there with Rush and Wilson and their chemistry also hurt into the value of Schultz, who uh, was feeling a little bit more Dak Prescott there in the game. So, overall disappointing effort by the Cowboys running game, but uh, we really like uh, the Cowboys and their wide receivers. We That's what we want to see. We want to see Cooper and Lamb go off in the same game and have some room also if uh, Gallup or Wilson is the third option there for Dallas downfield. Now, the Vikings, uh, Justin Jefferson, we thought he could be bottled up a little bit by Trayvon Diggs, but part of it was just Kirk Cousins having a bad day. In the early nice touchdown where Adam Thielen ran a route in the middle of the field wide open and scored, but it was quiet after that. I mean, they grinded it out. It was a quiet game for Dalvin Cook. The Cowboys' defense really asserted itself in this game. I think they just missed them for Jefferson. I mean, we had that long potential touchdown on the sidelines that Jefferson kind of overran or ran the wrong route. Cousins and him were not on the same page. And that was a bad game for Cousins. He had the big play to Thielen early and Tyler Conklin, but nothing else to see there. The Cowboys really got after him and really contained this offense where Clint Kubiak and uh, that scheme was just pretty awful to watch, not being able to get Jefferson open in this game when they needed it. And again, just losing to the Cowboys in general with Cooper Rush is a Vikings thing to do totally at home, and that's what you saw materialize in this game. So Vikings will have better days here, uh, but again, you want that Cousins-Jefferson to get warmed up. and You feel like with another quarterback, Jefferson might just explode here, so we'll watch for that. But it might be one more year with Cousins given the contract here. There, But Tyler Conklin, again, we thought he could be more involved. The Cowboys have a little bit of change in safety. And he's the third option there that I would trust here going forward over KJ Osborne if you need someone in deeper leagues during the bye weeks to play at tight end or just a backup there. Conklin, I think, is worthy of that role. All right, so there's a look at all the games there from the Action 13 games we had on Sunday. We had... Thursday Night Football, we still have one more game with the Chiefs and Giants to close things out. So hopefully uh, some of your outcomes can be changed here for the better with the Chiefs uh, mainly in action here on Monday night. Thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Again, tomorrow's Pickup Tuesday. We'll look at the waiver wire ahead of Week 9, way you can address the, if you have uh, Derrick Henry or James Robinson, uh, what you need to do there to help your team here or by week with uh, some of the key players out. We'll help you there. On Pickup Tuesday, here a waiver wire look every week here at Locked On Fantasy Football. Now make your second list of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free available on all platforms for you. For this edition of Locked On Fantasy Football, 
This has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great day. Good luck in uh, any matchups you still have going here on Monday Night Football.